to the Forerunners Podcast. This week, we'll dive into our sit-down with Ryan Conrad, one of the front men of JNA Racing. When I studied Ryan's life through social media, one thing became apparent. This guy has a big, big heart. He loves community and he's doing everything in his power to create it, whether it's through creating a loving environment for his son Aiden or a unifying experience for 25,000 people. We hope you enjoy part one of our sit-down with Ryan Conrad. All right, so we're recording. Let's get right into this. We're going to start out in your childhood. And I heard one time that you planned a 5K when you were young. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so early on in my childhood, I realized really at the age of 14 or 15 that when I was 25, when I was 30, 35, 40, and beyond, that there was two things out of life that I wanted. I wanted to work in the entertainment industry, and I wanted to eventually one day be a race director. I didn't know what that role really meant in both of those, entertainment and race directing, but I knew that I was going to figure out a way to get to both in my life, and, and that really stemmed from in high school, I planned a 5K, and, and I really have to thank my parents for that and my grandparents where I, I didn't want it to be a normal 5K where it's a road race around here. If you're in coastal Virginia, you know, I just didn't want to be on the boardwalk. This was in Pennsylvania, so lots of trails. So I wanted that kind of up the ante instead of just roads, we went to trails. So it was a trail 5K, and I wanted it to give back to the community. So um, I planned it. It took about a year to plan. I was all pumped because we had a little over 50 people, and I, th I think that's almost laughable now, but uh, when, when I go to this past fall, go to uh, the New York City Marathon and there's 50,000, or if we're at a JNA race and it's tens of thousands, if it's Shamrock with 24,000. But for me, in that instance, uh, because of the connections I had with the community, and when 50 people showed up, I felt like a rock star. I felt like I had really discovered myself. So again, early high school days transcended really how I would see my life pan out and it was all because of that 5k nice that's that's amazing I think if I was a 14 or 15 year old and I planned a race and more than 10 people showed up I'd be like wow this is amazing well you know I I, I still have a feeling that my parents paid all 50 people to show up but I <laughs> will never know they, they've been uh, they've been cool about it but again it was really that event and, and what led up to that event that I knew in my hearts of hearts that one day I was going to work in the entertainment industry mm -hmm. because of the live, the energy. And one day I was going to work in the race management company with an end goal of one day being a race director. Nice. So that was a, that was like a defining moment in your life, really. Oh, a hundred percent. I've had probably three or four, I think light bulb moments mm -hmm. in, in my life. And, uh, it was really probably the second one. Uh, the first one came earlier in the high school and middle school days, but Really, I credit those three or four uh, events in my life to where I am today. Nice. So I've also, um, I also saw that when you were young, around that age, that you thought to yourself that you would, you could see um, running and sport being used for good. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I think it, it really stemmed from my my personal background. So. Early in childhood, I, I always felt like I was excluded, even though maybe I wasn't. Um, but to me, I, I, I struggle with that. I, I came from a background and, and still 
battle with it daily where I can't read a spreadsheet to save my life, but uh, uh, severely dyslexic. So early on, I struggled in school and I never really found my way, I would say, until I was early high school. And and I really credit, again, that event as kind of helping me have confidence. Um, But through that, I, I realized early on that I needed that community. I needed that um, kind of adrenaline rush to be around a community that embraced sport or embraced music. And um, it was really a, a kind of a defining moment because I could have went with, let's uh, play drums. So I played drums since I was a, a little kid in marching oh, band, man. Civil War reenactments. So uh, <laughs> nice. that's small town America in Pennsylvania for you. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was, do I go the... the the route of music in my life or do I go the route of sport so I played baseball soccer growing up but I was never that great at it but I, I kind of fell into my own with running where um, it did two things it, it gave me confidence but then it gave me that community mm-hmm. where again it was that defining moment because for me I could have stayed with the marching band and the drums and everything but um, at that point in life I had a music director basically tell me I wasn't any good, I was stupid, just really straight up publicly humiliated me. And that pulled me out of the music realm, Mm -hmm. thinking that, you know, music's not where I was meant to be, it was really running. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, I I remember struggling really, really, I don't don't even know what the word, because I I almost get choked up thinking about it, but I just struggled so much with that moment in my life Mm -hmm. of being put down and shamed with music that I pulled off music and, and really dove straight into running, mm-hmm. and um, which led me to run in high school and then um, through college. And I, I was never the fastest guy on the team, but I was always competitive, uh, especially as we got into the college years, um, top seven score in cross country or you travel with. So I, I felt like I was always hanging out with maybe the fifth guy, but I was usually sixth, seventh, or right on the line. So I, I really found that community um, through running and that really kind of set, set my direction. Gotcha. That's awesome. It's actually, it's not that awesome. It's, it's, uh, it makes you think how important the way you treat people really is. I mean, I just thinking that that band director probably had no clue how much he was hurting you. And, uh, I just think it's kind of like one of those things with that, where something bad happened to you, but it was good for the world that it happened. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, I think to this day, it, if I hadn't planned that 5K, if I hadn't um, honestly tried music and pursued it more where marching band and, and so on, I, I honestly don't know where I would be. I, yeah. I really credit that band director <laughs> and that 5K with really sending sending me to where I am now. And again I, I think that came from my parents giving me confidence and my family and close friends mm-hmm. and close friends at that time was that circle of guys and, and girls on, on my cross-country team to say you know what it's there's a lot to this world to see um, and sometimes I feel like we have blinders on because we're only looking at the negative but there's so much more there's so much more opportunity outside of Waynesboro Pennsylvania mm-hmm. um, and, and it allow me to get out and, and charge, you know, charge ahead. Nice. So if anybody follows you on social media, they see a little a little blonde boy running around and they see hashtags that say adoption and fostering. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
What made you? Uh, what made you and your wife interested in fostering? Sure. So my uh, wife Ashley, uh, she has always been in. So she's a social worker. Has always been in that as her profession, as far as adoption, foster work, um, along lines of things uh, in the in the social work community. So early on, we had talked about uh, one day wanting to adopt and wanting to foster. Um, so. I, I knew in my heart that I wanted to, and I think she gave me the confidence and embraced the opportunity with love. And, and when we had a chance to grow our family through fostering and now through adoption, we knew that we wanted to. And, and again, I, I credit her immensely for really being the backbone of our family and uh, inspiring us to do that through you know, conversations over a course of a year or two. And that, so we were able to foster Aiden and... Um, uh, you know, I have so many friends that pick on me because of social media and stuff, but we can never show his face or whatever. So yeah. the day that we were able to show his face on social media uh, and just the joy that he has, uh, a lot of people ragged on me like, oh, finally you're showing, you know, <laughs> your little guy's yeah. face. So Aiden is uh, his uh, his name, um, which uh, is his birth name. Um, it means fire child um, that his biological parents gave him. And I think that uh, sums him up so well. Uh, he goes nonstop, just like any little guy or little girl. Um, but I, I can tell he has such a huge heart early on. I knew that. Um, and it's fun just to really embrace being a dad and showing him the, the world, be it uh, through sport or through just family, through how to treat people. Um, and he's always smiling, always running nonstop. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Again, we, we hope to introduce him to a wide variety of sports. He's already been in uh, baseball and uh, soccer. He tells us he wants to try to do karate now. I don't know if that's because of, like, PJ Masks or, <laughs> or Paw Patrol, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But now he wants to do uh, karate, so I think that's going to be next. Um, but it's so fun for all the locals uh, listening, King Neptune. He always refers to that as daddy's work uh, because of JNA events. Yeah. Uh, Shamrock uh, finishes there, of course, and some of our other events run right past it. So um, most people see King Neptune as an iconic uh, statue, but Aiden sees it as uh, daddy's work. Um, <laughs> so we're right now in the midst of a heavy block of training for the Leprechaun Dash. That's uh, at Shamrock. Little, little guys and girls um, will be sprinting like 100-ish yards maybe. So... Uh, we're, we're training uh, two a days right now for that, nice, and it's going nice. really well. Yeah. Two a days meaning just like apple juice and uh, running uh, uh, around the house. Yeah. Got to prepare him for success. Yes, yes. You know, in that kid training plan. Yes. Um, we see uh, you post a, a lot about him running, and I see sometimes he, he's climbing too. Are, are you guys sharing in that experience together? Yeah, it's something that I had done um, growing up a little uh, here and there with uh, rock climbing indoors and uh, also like um, outside a little bit in Pennsylvania and just his adrenaline and kind of craving adventure. Um, we, we decided to try it um, a couple months ago um, with one of our good friends uh, who has a pretty extensive background in outdoors and uh, climbing and he really kind of helped guide Aiden but right away... Um, 
our very first time, he Aiden was already trying to climb the wall without a harness, and we're like, slow down, simmer down, buddy. Uh, so we, he now has his own little blue harness that holds up to 90 pounds, so he'll be good to go for a few years with that. <laughs> and uh, we've been trying to make it a, kind of a weekend guys uh, getaway uh, nice. to the local uh, rock gym. Well, it seems like you're doing a great job as a dad. I, I, I'm learning as I go. So. Yeah, you, you dad in training. Okay, out of all the things I am, mm-hmm. my favorite thing to be is a dad. 100%. Like it's it's my it's my best it's my the best thing about my whole life. But you legitimately never stop learning how to be a dad. It just keeps on changing. Things get complex. It, I'm in some crazy stuff right now because my daughter's turning 12 like Wednesday. Bless you. Yeah. So <laughs> like, I don't even, I don't even know how to have certain conversations. It's it's getting hard. It's a process, so, but yeah. a, a beautiful process. Yeah. It's it's great. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's literally my favorite thing. So I'm so I'm happy that, um, you get to experience that, and I'm I think it's really amazing that you guys chose to to go through fostering and adopt because I know um, through things I see everywhere that there are kids that are filling the the fostering or the the system Mm -hmm. and to have a heart that's big enough to say I'm going to give you a home is admirable so I I appreciate that I think think especially in this region it's it's really sad the amount of uh, need there is yeah. for that and when we first started to foster one of my best friends a uh, really really motivational guy um, he said to me early on I was saying you know I hope we make a difference in Aiden's life and he, and he stopped me and he was like you know think about it that it really transcends generations right um, so it's not just Aiden's <laughs> life it's hopefully one day uh, Aiden's children and beyond that so again um it means the world to us, and um, I think sometimes you know we we go through things in life, but when we're able to do it as a family, mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Thank so you. let's get into a little bit of your job in the entertainment industry. For the people who don't know, you you did actually end up working for Live Nation, which is um, which was is kind of part of the amphitheater down in Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So again, I, I go back to that defining moment with that race, knowing that I wanted, and my love of music, uh, wanted to work in the entertainment space and then eventually running. And um, from an early start uh, through college, I, I worked in college at different uh, events back in Pennsylvania and had a great opportunity to come down to to Virginia Beach to work at the amphitheater there as an intern through Live Nation. And right out of school, I ended up moving down here within days of graduating college and had a full-time job with Live Nation and coordinated sponsorship opportunities and was just surrounded with a, a great opportunity to have mentors that really showed me the way. And through my course at Live Nation, I ended up working my way up. And then I oversaw, I was a director of premium seats, so I oversaw VIP box deals and premium seats uh, for the amphitheater here and then had an opportunity to travel around to a couple of music festivals and, and really see the world or at least the East Coast and the United States through music and um, I'll never be able to thank those uh, few indiv- excuse me individuals that really believed in me 
to give me the opportunity where I was 21 years old and stayed there for a number of years and, and again worked my way up and I, I couldn't have done it without those folks so um, I definitely checked out that box and going back to that awesome band director that put me down I, I often think back to him and almost laugh because it was um, maybe not a, I told you so moment but to see hundreds and hundreds of concerts so maybe I wasn't the the drummer playing but I got to experience uh, music which was really my first love uh, then followed by running. So I was with Live Nation for a number of years and, and really got to a point where I loved the people, Live Nation, largest entertainment company in the world, where I could have seen myself staying with them for a number of years. But just something in my gut always told me to follow that passion for running mm -hmm. and, and bringing people together. And I knew if I stayed with Live Nation that um, there would probably be an opportunity to one day move out, outside of here. And for my wife Ashley being here and her family, and I have some family ties here as well, I, I knew that it, something would pop up in, in this area. I just had to be patient, and mm -hmm. eventually it did, uh, thanks to Jerry and Amy Frostick with uh, JNA. So, again, loved my time there. I still love music. I, I don't think there's two things in my life where I get the biggest adrenaline rush and it's going to a concert and seeing 20,000 people or even if it's a small venue, a thousand people uh, loving the music and, and being that one, you know, one voice, one group. And then my other kind of adrenaline rush is standing at the finish line and seeing people accomplish their goals, mm -hmm. be it a, a small 5K um, or a JNA event, the New York City Marathon, whatever the case may be. Um, but I just love Sunday at Shamrock because it's a combination of so many hours, so many days, so many people of work and seeing people, no matter if they're trying to beat Oprah's time uh, in the marathon <laughs> or if it's an elite runner or it could be that first person. But I've heard you say this before, Danny, and I truly believe it, that everybody has a story. So everybody has a reason to come to that starting line. And just to see over the course of the day then complete you know, their goal. Mm -hmm. It's a, a magical moment. People that know me really closely know that I get really emotional. So, um, yes, disclaimer, I have gotten emotional at concerts and, uh, and finish lines. Nice. Did you, uh, were, with the opportunity at Live Nation, did you brush shoulders with musicians a, a lot of times? or? I could totally lie and say yes, um, but this is a podcast, so, <laughs> you know, it would be recorded. So, yes, I mean... Um, in that setting, yes, there's artists, you know, walking past you and all that, mm -hmm. but um, I, I never really saw it that. I, I guess for me, and it's been fortunate, I was able, you said brush shoulders, so I was able to brush so, uh, shoulders with pretty influential people in the, in the community, mm -hmm. um, you know, executives and different things. And I think that's really led me to having really strong relationships in this community. So I much rather get to know, um, the folks that are here working and, and creating a family than Kenny Chesney or Zach Brown or Little Wayne. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I, I have in college, I, I booked concerts and I've gone to, I figured it out maybe a year ago, probably over 600 concerts in my life. So, mm. um, but there's only so many times you can see certain artists before it's like, Oh, this, yeah. I'm not going to name names, but it's this person again, right? So, um, I, I, yes, long-winded answer, yes, uh, I did get opportunities to meet artists, but it, it's not glamorous as uh, 
as I can make it out to be. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things that I've learned in my life is uh, that people are just people. Like, no matter how Amen. big they are, no matter their job or how famous they are, every single person has to to poop. I, I know that sounds funny, but it's it's a... <laughs> Like yes. everybody's just real. I mean, everybody just, is. They have real lives, real problems, real relationships, and no matter how glamorous it looks somewhere, whether it's whether it's Kenny Chesney or whether it's the doctor that you see, they're legitimately regular people that might make more money than you, but it doesn't make them any more special. And I think so. when in that context, when people are able to maybe realize that, I I think those are the opportunities to make some amazing relationships, be it. I'm not encouraging people to walk up to an artist, but maybe someone in your community that you really admire, right? I mean, it could be, for us, it could be the the person that leading your local run club on mm-hmm. Tuesday nights or Wednesday mornings, or it could be, you know, someone that you really respect in, in the community and just to walk up and introduce yourself. You don't know where those relationships go. So yeah. we're all people, and for folks listening to this podcast, we're all runners, walkers, Yep. We're all just trying to get better, so I think it's it's how you break down those barriers, not to have that fear of, oh, it's so and so. Yeah, yeah. So you gave us a little preview just now of of the fact that you have transitioned to J and A racing. I think everybody listening kind of knows that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about J and A racing? Sure. So J J and A racing is Literally, J&A, Jerry and Amy Frostick, um, again, huge uh, mentors in my life and so many folks, uh, friends of someone, so many people in this community. So Jerry and Amy uh, took over the Shamrock Sports Fest um, years ago and when it was about 3,000 runners here locally. And it was every March, uh, just as it is now. And they eventually grew it over a number of years to now this year at uh, Shamrock, we'll have about 25,000 which yeah. is just uh, mind-blowing for this community. It's it's so powerful just to see the community. Uh, but now Shamrock, it's really a, a global event where we have uh, runners, walkers, friends, family <laughs> from all 50 states come in, um, but very heavily on the East Coast. So um, we, we've really been able to establish a, a great brand uh, thanks to their, their leadership um, to now where JNA is just not Shamrock. Uh, we have six other events in the region here. So I know the hip, cool, trendy thing is to say 757 now, apparently. So if you want to refer to it as the 757 <laughs> or Coastal Virginia or Tidewater, whatever the case may be, we have seven events. So they range from about 2,500 participants up to 25,000. And Jerry and I were talking to somebody this week, and he said something, and it really stuck with me that, um, you know, I think JNA Racing. Um, our staff, there's about 10 of us, I think we care, where I, I you know, go throughout the country, run a lot of other races, meet other race management companies, and, and Jerry's completely right, I, I think we just care so much. We're runners, we care about our community, uh, to where every little detail from our operations to the medals, to sponsorships, to what our finish line party looks like, I, I, we do care, and I think that's why we've been able to really established ourselves from back in the day when Jerry and Amy and, and a couple staff had Shamrock to where it is now with the England Shamrock Weekend and then these six other events. So we're a race management company. Uh, we own seven events 
in the region. And uh, again, it's just so wonderful that we have so many run clubs. We have so many people that care about each other to come together seven times a year to have a great time and, mm-hmm. and run. And I think we're known for our party, so uh, party yeah. as well. They get pretty lit. <laughs> I uh, I really enjoyed the Norfolk Harbor half this year, especially – I think it's probably my fa- favorite race ever because I PR'd so hard. And That's – yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I think one PR is great, but when you have 4,000 people that have a chance at a PR or 25,000 just coming together, and then, yeah, the course is beautiful. People love the teeny tiny tarts, so shout out to Baker's Crust for yeah. those little pies. Yeah. Did you take a pie? I did. Okay, good. So I, did, you, you I, but a, I didn't take water. If you take a pie, take water, too, at some point. <laughs> you can wash it down. We always try to put, uh, when we have a donut stop, pie stop, all the stops, we always try to put a water stop near it. Yep. So to your point, yes, so you can wash it down and, yep. and get moving and, and get that PR. But it was delicious. Get to the finish line. I did PR, and it was very, very fun to have a setting afterwards where I could see all my running friends that I've been working with and seeing on training runs, just uh, enjoy their time after really accomplishing all the things they did through the fruits of their labor so well i think you know years ago i think it was ready set go everybody cared about their time on their watch then you might get a banana and you might uh you know see a friend or two and then head out where i I think our approach at jna is that experience so Mm -hmm. we're going to give you a course that's fast we're going to give you a course that's accurate and then we're going to give you an amazing after party and i think that after parties there to celebrate as a community, celebrate your own achievements. So yes, we're known for known for our beers. So yeah. uh, each one of our events um, have that component of celebration with a drink. But if if you don't drink, there's still uh, soup, there's still music, and just a, hopefully a great experience for yeah. you to celebrate. I did thoroughly enjoy the cups of soup. You, I you're mean, welcome. That, they came on time, dude. That we had you in mind, actually. We, oh, yeah? We, yeah, we make, make sure that uh, we saw you make sure two two cups. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think I stayed for an hour or two after the race. It was it was very enjoyable. Um, let's talk about... You, you talked about how at Live Nation you kind of climbed the ladder and had uh, gained a lot of experience and were, it opened up a lot of opportunities for you. So it must have been a pretty big deal for you to step away from it. So let's talk about that transi- transition. Sure. So as I discovered that maybe I want to branch out, I, I just had such a fear of leaving and going to the unknown. An unknown of, uh, yes, I love the running community, but it was the unknown of what that would look like a year in, three years, five years in. And I just kept thinking back to my childhood where I always was maybe fearful of something, fearful of being included, fearful of this group, whatever, fearful of my band director, whatever the case may be. But when I was able to get over that fear, it was beautiful. It was everything that I had hoped for and more. So in that transition, I kept thinking, if I'm able to get over that fear hurdle, that's where the biggest points of my life have been, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. Um, again, going back to my wife, Ashley, so supportive and believed in it and wanted to see my dream out of working in, in the race and the fitness community. So 
um, Jerry and Amy I had become friends with and they had offered me an opportunity to come on board with them and I knew that I had to take it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to think six months from now um, that, that regret or feeling you know in your stomach like oh I should have went for it. So, so I went for it and one of the first um, weeks there uh, one of my tasks, one of my opportunities was to kind of revamp their training team experience and this is before um, there was any run clubs in the area. There was really no free pop-ups. All it was, um, which was amazing, um, John was leading a November project uh, before Jillian and Corey and Bernard. Uh, so we had November project here, but there was no other real run club or fitness meetup. Um, so I, I looked at the opportunity. I'll never forget. It was a beautiful day. I, I still have a picture on Instagram. And it's, it's funny now you see, you know, these huge pictures of all these people at run clubs. I was so nervous. I took a picture just to remember it. And I just took a picture. We met down at the first street jetty of just the water because that day, right before I took it, only four people showed up and I was like, this is embarrassing. What did I do? What did I get myself into? You know, three weeks ago I was, um, listening to a sold out concert at the amphitheater with 20,000 people and now I'm here so that fear just kind of stopped me in my tracks what what am I doing you know four people show up but those four ladies those four ladies embraced me like I was their um you know their son their long lost best friend yeah so that very first meetup we had just a couple a handful of uh ladies show up and again even though I don't have a picture of them in that moment they really changed my life because I knew I was there for the right reasons and over that course of that season we had our training team of roughly uh, 20 folks and over the course of the next year year and a half we ended up with just those couple people to taking the training team um, over the course of a few years to upwards of over 250 people Um, some of my favorite memories uh, some of my best experiences because for me, I, I think back to my college days that, again, I wasn't always the fastest, but what I loved was the sense of community with my teammates. Um, and I feel like that's what we built. And now I think for, for our community here in, in Hampton Roads, that's what I love to see. I love to see all these run groups popping up, yeah. ones that are established with 200 members, ones that just the other week I saw another one pop up, and I think they had a, a few folks at their first one. So. Mm-hmm that's like where the magic happens. That's where we're in. That's how they're inspiring people to come into running. Maybe it's their first 5k. They're going to walk it or, um, you have accomplished marathoners out there. It's it's just so inspiring to see again, four years ago, we had a couple people and I was like, what did I get myself into to seeing where the run community here is now? It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So I think, you know, people ask us about like why why did the training team with JNA stop um, and we, we just uh, really stopped it over the last uh, year and, and that's really the reason we just realized let's embrace the community so we're a, a race management company and just to see the magic that is occurring each and every day you could go anyone listening to this you could go to a run club 
or I know November Project or Drew Crew, they're not run clubs, we'll say. <laughs> um, fitness groups, yeah. uh, shout out to Drew Midland <laughs> and, and my friends at NP. Um, but you could literally go any day of the week, really any time of the day, uh, morning or, or night, and, and find people to run with, mm-hmm. walk with. And that that's powerful. Again, I, I've been uh, blessed to be able to travel the country for music and, and now for running. And I really, truly mean this. I, I don't know anywhere else. Maybe in a large city like New York and some of the larger cities you can find run crews, run clubs, you know, any day of the week. But it's hard-pressed to find people that care and, and care about um, those individuals that you're, that's in your club, be it a small club just starting out or somebody like uh, North End and what they have going on, which is a beautiful thing of inspiring 200 people or 200 plus each and every week. So uh, again, I think when we looked at it for JNA, it was really about let's embrace the community. Um, it was amazing to see all the training team people that we had, the Wolfpack, um, as we called ourselves. Um, and now out of that, there's three other run clubs or training teams that have popped out, mm-hmm. um, be it with um, pack training, uh, doing a great job inspiring a lot of the members that were with us in the past, or Ignite Running, with which is uh, Crystal Harper and Brad just doing a great job really introducing the sport to people. Um, and then uh, with Endeavor Running and, and Rob coming um, you know, with the training team for a few years and now doing his own thing. So really, out of that training team, I think three beautiful things really happened for our community. And then from that, outside of the people that were on the training team, now just to see these other groups that have uh, popped up, I mean, it's it's inspiring. And I go back to the finish line. What I love to do at the finish line is to see, you know, all these people run past. And you could have a North End Run Club. You could have Endeavor. You could have Burp. Um, which is Big Ugly, Chesapeake Run Club, Norfolk Run Club. I could rattle off, I think there's like 17 yeah, clubs now, but everyone's proud to wear that on their ch- mm-hmm. you know, chest, be it, a, um, be it at a 5K that we have, like um, MSP uh, Big Blue 5K, or the um, you know Wicked, or the Yingling Shamrock Marathon. Yeah. It's just so inspiring to see all these different run clubs come out. That's cool. I, uh, you guys had a community, you hosted a community run last week where you invited everybody to come mm-hmm. on Saturday. And I ended up running with a, a guy who just moved into the area named Peter. And awesome. uh, he moved from a big city mm-hmm. to the area. And he was like, oh man, the running scene is probably not going to be that good here. Because, I mean, it's not it's not a big city. It's one big glob of cities. Sure, sure. Or of small cities. And he goes, he goes, he goes, and I, there are so many run clubs here and there's the community of runners is so huge that I just didn't expect it. Um, so it's actually to hear that story. is really cool. I, I had no clue, you know, kind of, um, it's really cool that J and a racing, the training team really was kind of, uh, in a way foundational and, and, uh, and pave the way for a lot of these things. I, I had no clue about that. So I sure, appreciate and I don't want it to make it sound like yeah. we're... Yeah. Yeah, I don't want it to sound like um, we were the first because I think there's other opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just from that group, I learned so much. And now to see where the, the 
run club scene is now it's just amazing and that's just people wanting to do good for our community and maybe they weren't with the training team but they started their own thing and it's grown which is just a beautiful thing we hope you enjoyed part one of our sit down with ryan Conn. Ryan's the kind of person who inspires folks to pursue their passions, even when it's scary to do so. Ryan will talk about his current role at JNA Racing and how they're teaming up with runners to give back to the community. He'll share what he's learned through his personal interactions with decorated athletes and some of his own racing experiences. I'm really excited to share the rest of our conversation with you. This is Danny, signing off. Godspeed.